This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. You're really going to like what we got going for you with this one as we're going to have two Bay Area kids who have really blossomed this season, absolutely unbelievable, in Marcus Simeon and Mark Canna. Both grew up in the Bay Area, both went to Cal, and the seasons that they're both having, the A's wouldn't be where they are in the postseason and 97 wins if these two guys didn't play huge. We're also going to have on Jim Leland, one of the great managers of all time, and then now an Oakland A Hall of Famer, Dave Stewart. And, of course, Stu's still doing the television for NBC Sports California. Love having him on. But first, we're going to start with Marcus Simeon. Why? Well, because Marcus is having a career year. He is going to get MVP votes. I don't think he's going to win, but I think he should definitely be top three. Marcus Simeon, everything that he has done, playing every game, scoring all these runs, hitting home runs, and playing shortstop at a high level every day, just Phenomenal. Here is a shortstop, Marcus Simeon. That's Marcus Simeon joining us now before we get you ready for the athletics and the Giants. How are you? I'm doing great. Just got my work in and, um, you know, just ready for a big game today. I just brought it up. You got a six-game hitting streak. You're hitting 348 with three home runs, seven extra base hits, and five RBIs during that time. And uh, going to be wearing Simi on the back of your jersey today. But right now, things are real good for you. Everything's kind of clicking. Well, yeah, sometimes you get those hot streaks where you just feel really good in the box. You're taking balls in the dirt uh, for the most part and uh, swinging at strikes. And right now my my swing feels good, so you just want to put yourself in a good position to use it. So, you know, we have a lot of national people on here, whether it's broadcasters or writers here on A's Cast Live. And you've been talked a lot, a lot about. As everybody's so impressed with your game, how you play every single day, you're now getting more spotlight than you've ever had before. What's that been like for you? Well, that's that's always good. I think us winning helps. Um, you know, we had a good week against two of the top teams in the AL, and people are starting to see what we're doing. Uh, being on the West Coast, you know, a lot of a lot of the networks don't see us play. It's just late for them on the East Coast. Um, but we're doing some good things. We're playing good baseball, and we've got a lot of underrated players, I think, and um, some superstars on the corners and solid pitching right now, so it's been good baseball. Yeah, the starters, you know, we thought that was going to be maybe the Achilles heel of this team in 2019, but talk about how especially the five-year-old out there right now have been rock solid. Yeah, they all can pitch, and I think Bassett's been a big one for us. You know, he 
he had a slow start to his career. He had the injury. He had um, some bad luck in there his first year. And now he's, um, I think, being around these guys like Fires, Tanner, Homer, uh, B.A., you know, he, he's really learning how to pitch, and it's been great to watch. I think the guys who use the four-seam and the two-seam are the, the toughest guys to face for me, and I see pretty much all of our pitchers doing that. Yeah, I know you're not somebody that likes to talk about himself, but I think of you, and I've been talking about, you know, when you look at leadership, there's, there's guys who are rah-rah guys, and then there's guys who lead by example. You play every single day. It's what you do. You want to play every single inning. Talk about how that that is the way you help lead this team because you're definitely one of the leaders, but you're doing it by example. What does that mean to you? Uh, that's that's exactly right. That's what I try and do. Um, you know, we we all have a routine out there. I really enjoy the process of getting better every single day. Um, a lot goes into it behind the scenes in the weight room, in the cage. And um, for the most part, all of our guys are already on it. But I, I just try and make sure I'm on it even more now, being one of the older guys. And, um, you know, it's, it's been pretty easy to, you know, for the young guys to transition to the big leagues because they already had that work ethic. So it's been, it's been a good, uh, good group to play with for sure. I looked at the, the stretch of Giants, Astros, Yankees, Giants as key for you guys getting into the postseason. If you could get through this, and you're not only getting through it, you're like plowing through it. What's the confidence like of this ball club right now, especially three out of four from Houston and then sweeping the Yankees? Um, yeah, we, you know, we felt good going into those series. We knew Houston had that firepower with the new uh, rotation they have, and we, we held our own. Um, you know, I think missing Cole helped us too. Garrett Cole gave us a lot of trouble. Him being out helped us. Um, and then the Yankees, we just, we just swung the bats well and pitched well, and I think we've been playing them well here. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they don't feel comfortable playing here or what, but it, it makes you think about last year if we could have hosted here against them, how the game would have been. Um, but we'll get to face them again in New York, and that'll be tough. You know what I love about where you guys are right now? You're in a virtual tie for the second wild card, but I think your destiny's in your own hands at this point. If you keep winning, you're going to be in the postseason. Isn't that a great spot to be? Uh, no doubt. I think that um, that's always been our attitude. Um, you know, if we handle our business, no matter who our opponent is, that, um, you know, we'll be okay. And I think the American League is stacked, so that's going to have to be our attitude going forward. And playing in this infield right now, when you talk about, you know, the, these two young guys, and they look up to you for what you do and you've helped them, but just talk about the sp how special Chapman is and Olsen. We know what they do offensively, but just how special they are defensively. Well, yes. Yeah, I think it's well known now that, um, you know, those two, you got Olsen picking everything, reaching for everything, uh, making plays in the hole, the double play the other day. He had a couple double plays that were just, I don't think many guys are making those plays. So um, now it just seems like we're all used to it. That's just what they do, and it's, you can't take it for granted. It's it's two of the best corner guys in the game, and that's they're going to be there for a long time. Yeah, I, I was asked yesterday. I did a, after after my show. I did a radio interview on KMBR, and they were asking me, you know, what is it about this team? And I said, well, you know, I know everybody focuses on the power. I said the two things we've already addressed. One is the starting pitching, but I think really the hallmark of your team is how good your defense is. The defense the past couple of years has been fabulous. 
Yeah, that's winning us ball games. I think that the the close games that we lost my first couple of years here were because of defense. And um, you know, you win a lot of two-one games, one-zero games because you're making plays and you're taking hits away, and it's demoralizing for an offense, um, the opposing offense, if you're taking away hits and shutting down innings that way. And I think about your defense. What was the point where it turned all around from scuffling and making the airs to now there's a good chance you're going to win the gold glove this year? I mean, there's a good – what was it? When, when, when did the light go on? When did it change for you? Well, I think it's still a, a work in progress, honestly. But, um, you know, I think last year spring training I felt like make the routine play and just um, go into it every time, getting that ball out of my glove, getting a good grip. The rhythm of it just started to click, and um, the more you do it every day, the, the better it gets. The more reps you get at shortstop as a, an everyday guy for five years, the better you're going to get if you work at it. And um, I feel like that's a lot of it, and we, I have help at first base, of course. You know, any throw you make that's a little wide or low, it's, he seems to be cleaning it up, so that helps too. So these nicknames that are going to be on the back of the jerseys today, I have a nickname for a guy that is very special to you. And that's Mark Canna. And I think his nickname should be duct tape. Because, you know, if anything's broken, you duct tape it. And I think what he's done at DH, I think what he's done in right field, and now what he's doing in center field, I mean, this is a premium defensive position, and he's playing it every day. He's like duct tape for you guys. Yeah, he's, he's game. I think that um, Bob calls him Igudala, just like the for the Warriors. He's Nobody really um, – appreciates him honestly nobody knows about him you look at the board and he's got 19 homers his ops his all these analytics everything looks great and uh, we're just throwing him out there every day no matter what position it is and he's helping us win yeah i i remember when he got here we were trying to figure out where's he gonna play is he a dh is he a first baseman can he play third no one would have ever did you know he could play center field uh, I knew he was a good athlete. I played with him in college, so I knew that um, you know he has a football background in high school. He was a, I think he was a receiver, uh, so he can go get it. Uh, he can run a little bit. You know, he he was always first base, left field, or right field. And then, but a lot of times, center field can be easier because you see the ball better. It's uh, less spin on the ball, um, so he he's really looking good out there. Well, let's end on this. You, you know, obviously you being a Bay Area guy, you know, growing up in the city and, and going to Cal and, and your wife, Cal, you know, everybody wants you to stay here long term. I just want you to know that. That's something that on the postgame show, because so many people have talked about, well, you got to get this guy inked up or this guy inked up. You're now a topic of conversation of an extension and being here long term. I just want you to know that that the, you're, you became, you've become a big priority for the fans. They want you to be here long term. Well, that's good to know. I mean, um, my family, you know, we're like I said, we're from here. I say it all the time. We're home. I get to play in the major leagues at my home. I get to – the only time I leave home is spring training. So we it's very, very convenient for us to be home and not have to pick up and move around. Um, playing with, you know, the best group of guys you can play with. A uh, young group, a talented group. Um, we're winning ball games, and I'm home. So that, that's exactly what I want. My late father used to say this, and I actually said this to your father up in the treehouse when talking about you. I told your father, you can tell he was raised right. 
and you're a class act, and you're great for this organization. We always appreciate your time before a game coming over here. Thank you so much. Good luck against the Giants, and uh, let's take this thing to the postseason. All right, let's do it. You know, the thing that I always say about Marcus, since we've gotten to know his family, of course, on the Ace Post Game Show, we'll hear from his father. Once in a while, he'll call in. Simeon, his family, they're good people, and he is really a, a good guy. He's a good person, good family man, and it's so wonderful to watch him grow professionally and personally. Mark Can is having a dream season. If you listen to A's Cast Live, we call him Duct Tape, and we've given him that nickname. He likes the nickname. Bob Melvin likes the nickname because what do you do around the house when you have issues? Well, you just go get duct tape to fix it. And that's what Mark Canna has been for Bob Melvin this year. Whether it's Chris Davis is out, got to put him at DH. Piscotti's out, put him in right field. Ramon Laureano goes down, oh, my God, what are you going to do? Well, you go to duct tape, and you get Mark Canna and put him out there every day. And it's hard to believe, for me, as a guy that came over Rule 5 and we thought was a DH or a first baseman, maybe third, is now an everyday center fielder. Here is Mark Canna. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he is the American League Player of the Week. He hit 474 with four home runs last week. Now the center fielder for your Oakland Athletics. Mark Canna joins us from Kansas City. How are you, and congratulations. Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, when I, I think about where you are in, in your career, like the light is turned on, you're getting a chance to play every day, and you're taking advantage of it. And I can tell you this fan base has really enjoyed what you've been able to do for this team. Just talk about what this this award, being the American League Player of the Week, what it means to you as a professional. Um, yeah, it's always nice to be recognized for – for your performance. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like I've had, you know, a good year and good weeks in the past and, and just kind of missed the boat on, on awards like this that come around uh, from time to time. And I, I got one this week. So it was, it was nice. It was a nice thing. Is this really a case for you, the fact that you're just getting to play every day and that's been the big difference for you? Um. I mean, I've I feel like I've done a pretty good job every time I get a chance to get consistent playing time throughout my career. So, um, you know, I think it's something that that just comes from a, a lot of experience, and I've had enough a bunch of at bats under my belt now in my career to where I've uh, probably become a little bit of a better player and a better hitter, and just understand how to have. Uh, success a little better than than I have in the past. Yeah, it's amazing when you get the playing time and you learn to work through things. How much now in your career are you better at, you know, surviving a little downtime or a little struggle to get you back to having great success? Yeah, I'd say I'd say I have become better at that. It's just uh, it's been that's something that is definitely learned. I think at the big league level and especially with the way the game's changing now. I think I've done a, a, if I'm going to have myself on the back at all, it's just been that I've paid attention and, and kind of learned from my mistakes in, in the past and how to approach slumps and how to um, just go about my work and such. Um, so, you know, I think 
that's just like I said, it's something I've I've learned from being around a little bit. And also another great thing for you is that you're one hundred percent healthy. Yeah, that's always good. That's always good. <laughs> it's really tough to be successful if you're not healthy. So that's that's number one. Now, of course, uh, this past weekend we were honoring Players Week and we had nicknames. I've actually come up with a new nickname for you, and I, I'm wondering how you're going to yeah. receive it. So the fact that Chris Davis goes out, you can DH. Steven Piscotty goes out, you play right field. Ramon Laureano goes out, you're mm-hmm. now playing center field every day. So whenever you have a problem around the house, what do you do? You get duct tape, and you duct tape it. Duct tape fixes everything. I see you as the duct tape guy. If Bob Melvin ever has a problem, you just put Mark Canna there, and Mark Canna fixes the problem. How do you feel about the nickname duct tape? I love tape? that. I love that. You know what? You have to have duct tape in your house. You have to. Always. So, you know, that's uh, old reliable. I, I get it, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the most bought thing at Home Depot, for God's <laughs> sakes. Everybody needs it, Mark. Yeah, that's right. You know, when I think about you playing center field, I, I actually, you know, your, your college teammate and really good friend, Marcus Simeon, we had on the program, and, and, you know, I've been praising you as, you know, you're a San Jose guy. You went to Bellarmine. I'm a San Jose guy, so I've always pulled for you big time. And I was talking to uh, Marcus about you, and I, I said, Marcus, are you surprised that he can play center field as good as he can play it? And Marcus said no. He said, you've always been a terrific athlete, dating back to your days in high school and college. How much center field did you ever play in your career before now where you're playing it every day? Um, I never played it in college and I never played it in the minor leagues. So, um, I think it's just a a comfort level thing. I think you could stick any one of our outfielders out there, honestly, for a, for a few days and get better at it at least. Um, I think it's the the easiest position to, to, in terms of reading the ball off the bat. Um, so in that regard, it's a little bit easier than playing the corners, but at the same time, you, you have to make some longer runs and some longer throws. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun position. It's fun to kind of run around out there. You have a lot of space to work and, and you got to kind of just roam and it, I feel like you get a good feel for the game cause you have the best view, um, you know, seeing straight on. So you get a good feel for where guys are hitting the ball and stuff like that. I, I know you're more into about talking about the team than yourself, but just one more on you. Marcus Simeon said you're the most underrated player in all of Major League Baseball. What does that mean to you when it, when a good friend <laughs> says that? Uh, I mean, it means a lot coming from Marcus just because he is such a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, we've, we have a long history together and, uh, he's obviously a great guy and I think he really knows what he's talking about. And I respect his opinion, opinion on things. So, um, it's just nice. It's nice hearing that from my buddy. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think we're, we're all, we're both kind of like that. It's a two way street. I think there's, uh, nothing that either of us doubts about one another. And, and we know what we're both capable of just cause, we both work really hard. We both have been there, you know, through through thick and thin. So it's uh, it's cool. I think we have a good uh, special relationship in that way. 
And let's talk about the team. I know you guys are not happy about dropping two to the Giants, but overall, when you take three or four from Houston and you sweep the Yankees, what's the confidence like after that nine-game homestand and what you're taking into Kansas City for this four-game set? Um, yeah, I, you know, that's baseball. I don't know how to explain it. Um you know, the Giants are a good team. They they came out and they just they beat us two games in a row. So, um, if anything, I think we just got to take for it. We got to understand, like, you know, we it's we got a lot of work ahead of us. I think, and and uh, I don't think now's the time to get too down about that. I think we got to move forward, uh, stay positive. I think we we know obviously what we're capable of from the two series before and. I think we just want to, I think we're all, there's a good mood in the clubhouse and we understand that like, you know, we're okay just because we lost to the Giants two games. It hurts, but we can move on and uh, keep riding that, that wave. And, you know, I think we're still in good shape. Let's end on this. Cause you know, at this time of the year, we as fans and we in the media, we're constantly scoreboard watching. We're watching what's going on with Tampa. We're watching what's going on with Cleveland. We're watching what's going on with Houston. Uh, sounds exhausting. Yeah. How much are you? I mean, you're sitting out there in the outfield. Are, 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 you, are you paying attention to the scoreboard at this time of the year? No, not at all. I couldn't care less. All I care about is what's going on our scoreboard. Uh, I don't think it's it's exhausting like i said trying to keep track of that and it's you know we got five weeks of baseball we could be looking up in three weeks and it, it, the situation could be completely different and so i don't think the uh you know it's something that we're, it's still a long-term thing i think you know we got to keep the focus on us and and playing our best baseball right now and not worry about what other people are doing well, you're the American League Player of the Week, and it's been just fantastic to watch you play this season. You're having a great year. Continued success. Good luck on this road trip, and we'll see you when you get back to Oakland. All right, thanks. Like I said earlier, you don't win 97 games again unless you have Marcus Simeon and Mark Canna. Both these guys have been a big part of everything the A's have done this season. Next up, one of the big game pitchers of his time. Won 20 games, four straight years, a three-time World Series champion. He is just the man. If you wanted, if you needed a big game and you wanted to win in the postseason, the World Series, or late in the season, nobody better than the great Dave Stewart. Here is my conversation with a man they call Smoke. Dave Stewart is with us. Stu, it was great seeing you yesterday, and congratulations on this wonderful honor. Hey, thank you very much. It was, a, it was a beautiful day. Thank you so much. You know, I, you and I, we talked a little bit yesterday, uh, right before you went on with, with Ken and Vince and Coco, and to think about how you and Ricky Henderson used to sneak into the Coliseum to where now Ricky Henderson has the, the field named after him, and you now have, not only are you in the A's Hall of Fame in the first class, but you're now having your jersey number retired. Hey, you've, you guys have come a long way since sneaking in back in the day. <laughs> I would have to say so. Uh, i got to tell you, I'm having, having my number retired is a huge honor, um, uh, considering that you, you look at the names that have been up there, and they're all Hall of Famers. Um, I'll be uh, the first uh, non-Hall of Famer that uh, – that they've honored in this way and 
you know, growing up in the area, blocks away from the Coliseum, seeing the, you know, the A's come to town in 68 and, and then win uh, championships in 72, 73, and 74. Um, it's just unbelievable. It really, it's, it's, it's a dream come true. No doubt about it. And I think not only do you have the announcement yesterday, but you also get to celebrate it with the 1989 championship team. That had to make it even more special that you got to celebrate with your guys who made, who you made history with. I've got some great, great friendships uh, from that ball team and, uh, you know, just great memories. I mean, those guys were – a lot of those guys um, – weren't just with the 89 team we were together in 88 90 and up until the time uh you know we did we made the playoffs in 92 um a lot of those guys were were teammates carney lanford i go back to 1986 when i first came to the A's. ricky henderson i go back to to childhood although dave henderson wasn't there uh, dave henderson i go back to the minor leagues tony phillips and I shared uh, the same agent, uh, Bobby Welch, and I go back to the days of when we were with the Dodgers, uh, being drafted by the Dodgers. I mean, there's a lot of memories. Of most of those guys uh, are like family members to me even still today, and it was just a, a great group of guys to, to have had the opportunity to play with. You know, when you come to the A's and they sign you, and I think your first appearance was actually against uh, the Red Sox and Roger Clemens. What was it about coming to the A's that all of a sudden in your career it all clicked and everything changed and, and you became one of the best pitchers in the game? That's just crazy. Um, a lot of people remember that game, but I'd come to the A's long before that appearance. I just sat around for a great period of time while Jackie Moore and Wes Stock were the pitching coach and the manager here. Um, Tony LaRusa came to the ball club, um, and that was my first start for Tony. Um, but I had been a part of this, this, this team uh, before that just wasn't getting very much playing time. Um, uh, but you know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, when Tony came and Dave Duncan came, um, how things, um, in my career, um, took a different direction, having that guidance and being able to start that game for him. And, and then, becoming a, a person that was in the rotation every fourth or fifth day. Um, it was just a, a big stepping stone for me. Dave Duncan, such a special pitching coach, and I, and I love how Tony always gives him his due and, and his credit because, you know, truly from his time with Oakland all the way to St. Louis, what was it like being under Dave, and, and what did he do to really help you blossom? Well, one, it was a confidence factor. Um, I, I had a pitch that I thought was a good pitch. I learned uh, before I actually came to the A's uh, with, the, with the fork ball, um, but had lost confidence in using a pitch because so many people told me that it wasn't a good pitch. Um, Dunk, in my first start against Boston, saw the pitch, liked the pitch, and encouraged me to use the pitch. Um, and, you know, it becomes history from there. Um, the, the key factor with, with Dave Duncan, um, even more than encouragement and using the pitch, um, he taught me things about pitching in general, the, the mental side of pitching and pitching in situation and count and putting myself in a higher percentage situations 
by being aggressive, by using this thought process in these situations, and, and it helped my maturity, and it helped actually, um, it helped me to actually mentally be able to pitch with my physical ability, and 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 it made such a such a big big difference. And I think about you in the postseason, and right now I'm looking at your postseason record. You know, a career ERA in the postseason of two point seven seven. What was it about you in the big moments, in the huge games, where your game rose to a, another level? You know, I, I wish I could can answer that question, and um, uh, but I, I, quite frankly, I, I don't have an answer. I just know that um, I, I wanted to be in those situations. Um, I wanted to have the opportunity to pitch against the other side's best, um, and um, you know, I never thought about the negative side of it. I only saw the, the positives that, that could happen winning that first game, giving us our first, our best foot forward. Um, and, you know, losing just never really, really occurred to me. It never occurred that that could happen for me. I always felt that I was going to have an opportunity to win a baseball those situations I look forward to it so I guess the first part is you have to want to be there and once you're there I think everything just kind of plays out oh yeah you're a world series MVP you're a two-time ALCS MVP so the moment was never too big and and you go to Toronto towards the end of your career and you win another championship with Toronto Blue Jays you know, not only was your team in 1989 fantastic, but that was a terrific team in Toronto. What was it like for you winning a championship north of the border? You know, I played with some great guys. Um, uh, Joe Carter, uh, Paul Molitor, you know, Robbie Alomar, Ola Rude, Devon White. Um, I played with some really, really good guys there. Uh, Jack Morris was on that pitching staff. Pat Hinkin was young then. Todd Stottlemyre, Juan Guzman, and then in the back end we had uh, we had Henke and we also had Dwayne Ward. So um, I left one team uh, with the A's and and went to another team similar um, in Toronto. Um, Tito Gaston was a players' manager similar to uh, Tony Larusa, and so it was a good bunch of guys. I never thought about the fact that I was in Toronto winning the championship. My goal. Um, in leaving when I left Oakland was to win one more time before retirement. And I knew retirement was close. Um, and so I wanted to win one more time. And um, and I was fortunate. Uh, Pat Gillick called immediately uh, the first day of a of free agency, availability in free agency, and things, things, things went uphill from there. And uh, I was just real fortunate to play with a, a great bunch of guys once again, a great manager. And I think about the success that you had even after your playing time, especially as a pitching coach. You went to the World Series with the Padres in 1998 and Bruce Bochy. What was that like, and how much of Dave Duncan did you use with your pitchers in San Diego when you helped get that team to the World Series? Well, I never, never got a chance to thank Kevin Towers for for putting me in that situation it wasn't something that i initially wanted to do um and 
we took a trip to Mexico at the time I was working in the office for the Padres. We took a trip to Mexico to uh, confirm our, our relationship with the team in Yucatan. And uh, in that trip, um, Kevin told me that he thought I'd be, be good at it and that I would and that uh, I would be the guy that he would pick if I wanted to take the job. And when we got on the plane and he first approached me with it, I was all no. And by the time we got on the plane to come back, um, I was convinced that it was something that I could do. I wasn't sure that I would even be able to do it because I'd never coached before in any capacity other than, you know, helping out in the instructional league with the Oakland A's. And so um, Kevin, Kevin uh, put me in that position to do it. And then everything um, that I I did and how I patterned myself, how I modeled uh, my conversations, everything uh, was Dave Duncan. Uh, I learned a lot from Dave Duncan. I um, mean, the biggest thing that I learned is that sometimes coaching is keeping your mouth shut. Um, Dunk um, never spoke until he really had something to say. He didn't feel that he had to be feeding you information all the time, all the time. Um, sometimes that can be an overload. Um, Dunk was the kind of coach that if he didn't feel you were going to hurt yourself physically, he didn't change things with your mechanics. Um, he worked with what you had. And then the other important part, and the major part is the, the, biggest, the biggest process in pitching is preparing a guy mentally to get into battle. Um, and, um, I thought that for me, you know, we had spring training classes for these guys talking about pitching, pitching situations, um, having them understand counts, um, and how to maneuver in different, different situations that take place while you're pitching. And, um, so everything that I did was patterned after Dave Duncan. And, you know, on the NFL Network, they have a show called A Football Life. And I, I think MLB needs to copy that because I think of your career. You know, we mentioned now as a pitching coach. Then you become a sports agent. Then you become a general manager. You're doing television today with NBC California. You have truly had a baseball life. Do you ever sit back and reflect and, and realize, man, I, I've done just about everything. I mean, the only thing you got left to do is be the commissioner of the sport. <laughs> you know what I've what I've been to a fault. Um, I I really I really just get into the moment. Um, when I was a player, all I thought about was all I thought about was what I had to do on 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 that given day, and what my next assignment was. And then after after my playing days. Um, I, I thought about what's important now. And it, it was the thing that Lou Holtz always said, um, and he used the initials W-I-N, what's important now. And so I've always been that kind of guy. I don't think that I've ever really taken a moment to just look at the places that I've been and, and the, the accomplishments in the game, um, the people that have touched me. Um, I've been well aware of who they are. Um, and I, I just feel really, really blessed to have had a great group of people around me through through my career. Um, you know, starting with Reggie, Reggie Smith and, and Davey Lopes, 
Lloyd Campanella, Don Newcomb, some of the big names when I came into to, to, to the Dodger organization, and Sandy Colfax uh, actually a, having a direct a, a direct touch on on my pitching and how I pitched. Um, but uh, you know, I've been really really blessed to, to be able to to be in this game, and I'm not too sure that uh, if I if I took the time to look at where I'd been. That I'd be enjoying it as much as I do because every day is a treat for me to be able to be around the ballpark, to be around players, to be involved in the game, and in this particular time to be able to talk to people over the air and have them explain, have them understand what takes place in the game during the course of the game, um, the, the strategy inside the game. It's just so much fun. Well, I, I, I look at your resume, and, and as we said, you've done basically everything in the game. Long term for you, where do you see Dave Stewart? What, what what do you want to continue to do long term in this game? You know, I don't know. I mean, I want to, I want to just continue to be around it. I mean, God has God has really been good to me, and in the in the sense that I can honestly say, for all of my adult life and all of my childhood, I've been able to live my dream to be in the game of baseball, to play the game of baseball, to be able to pass on the traditions and the things that I've learned in the game to some of the younger players in the game. Um, You know, I just want to, this is what I want my life to be. I want it to be baseball in any capacity that I can be involved. Um, As as long as there's a place for me, um, whether it's representing players, if it's to do work in the Oakland A's organization, I've got some history with the, San Diego Padres. Um, it doesn't really matter. I just want to be around the game. Well, we do know this. Nobody will ever again wear your number, the number 34. Truly amazing. What a career you've had. It's always an honor to have you on the program. Continued success with uh, Brody Brazil and doing television, and we'll see you at the ballpark. And congratulations on the number being retired and also the celebration of you guys winning the championship and that rock star team of 1989. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. What a phenomenal career. A three-time World Series champion, a World Series MVP, two-time ALCS MVP, an all-star, won the Roberto Clemente Award in 1990, led the AL in wins in 1987, Athletics Hall of Famer, pitched the no-hitter in 1990 on June 29th. The great Dave Stewart, always an honor to have him on. How about Jim Leland? When you think of old-school manager, Jim Leland was the best, right? Jim Leland wore spikes for the game. He would smoke in the dugout. He was old school baseball. What a career he had. As, of course, he was a World Series champion back in 1997 with the Florida Marlins. He was a three-time manager of the year in 1990, 1992, and 2006. And he also helped win gold for in the World Baseball Classic for the United States Managed the Pirates, the Marlins, the Rockies, and the Tigers. He's now an assistant with, uh, well, he's now assisting with the Detroit Tigers. 
longtime close friend and confidant of Tony La Russa, the Hall of Famer. Here is my conversation with the great Jim Leland. He's one of the greatest managers of all time, a World Series champion in 1997, a three-time manager of the year, 1990, 1992, 2006, gold medal in the World Baseball Classic, Jim Leland joins us. Jim, it's an honor to have you on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Thank you for taking the time. No, no problem. Glad to be on. You know, when we think about managers, you know, we'd love your opinion on the manager we have here and Bob Melvin because the organization was not doing well before Bob got here. And Bob really showed when you have the right manager, a guy that knows how to communicate, a guy that knows how to manage people, a guy that knows how to deal with the front office, boy, it can change things and and, and really start a winning culture. Well, I don't think there's any question about that. Bob and I were together over in the Tiger organization many, many years ago when he was a player. I was managing the instructional league and, you know, always a student of the game, you know, played in the big league some, obviously, and, uh, I think without without a question, one of the best managers in all of baseball today and has been for several years. I think a lot of times, you know, back east here, we don't always see the Oakland A's a lot or the Angels or the Dodgers, you know, because of the time change so much. So I think I think that's part of the reason that, he, you know, he might not get recognized as much as he should. Uh, he just won a Chuck Tanner Award here a couple of years ago in Pittsburgh. I went to the dinner here in Pittsburgh to honor, in honor of Chuck Tanner. Bob was the recipient of that award. He's a great manager. There's no question about that. I think he, he's without without a doubt one of the best in all of baseball. Were there quite a few players that you had over the years that as they were playing for you, where you kind of looked and went, you know what? If that guy actually does want to stay in baseball, I can see that guy as manager quality. Well, you never know about manager because, you know, there's only 30 of those jobs, and they're, they're obviously hard to get. So you never really – uh, you know, think so much about manager per se, but you think about obviously staying in the game in some capacity. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think you do that a lot. You know, you, you get to know the personality of a player. You get to know, there's a lot of players that, you know, watch the game more intensely than other players. That's just the way it is. That's in the minor leagues or the major leagues. There's just certain guys that are, uh, you know, it doesn't mean the other guys aren't into it, but they, they're looking at what the manager does more. They're studying the game maybe a little bit more where you play the infield and all those kind of things. And I think Bob was certainly one of those guys. And you see so many of the managers are catchers. And, of course, you were a catcher back in the day. Why do you think it is that catchers sometimes make the best managers? Well, I think one of the things that pops to your mind right away is the fact that the catcher is a guy that caught all the pitchers and, and called all the pitches in those days. You know, we, we called our own pitches and, and things of that nature. And I think that you know, you're, you're kind of a student of the game and you learn how to handle the pitching staff. And I think that's the biggest part about managing, in my opinion, is knowing how to handle your pitching staff, uh, knowing how to run a bullpen, uh, you know, knowing when to take the starter out, when to leave him in. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, there's a little bit of a knack to that, and I think you get some experience to that because of the fact that you were a catcher. And you kind of recognize maybe a little bit quicker than some other guys on the team, you know, when a guy's lost it, when he's doing something a little bit different. You know, when his mechanics just aren't right, obviously you have a pitching coach there to help you. But I think the the fact that the catcher caught pitchers all his life and called pitches all his life, I, I think that's got a lot to do with it. 
and I think about communication because we have analytics, we've got numbers, we've got Statcast, we've we've got we TrackMan, we've got so much information and so much video out there that sometimes I think even in modern day baseball we forget how communication between the manager and the players where they always know where they stand, good or bad, that there's great communication. Talk about that through your career and even today, how that is a skill and a must for a good manager. Well, number one, I think that people underrate, underestimate how difficult the manager's job is. I think people have a tendency to think anybody can just do that job today because of all the numbers they put in front of you. And they, you know, they try to, you can just try to make you a robot manager. That just doesn't happen. Management is very difficult. Believe me, I did it for 33 years, 22 in the major leagues. It's very difficult. You know, guys upset they're not getting play in time. Guys upset they have other problems going on. Whatever it may be, you're dealing with those people on a daily basis. And I think the biggest thing is being there for the players, you know, when they're going bad. Because when a player's going good, you know, they got the press, they got the media, they got the fans, they got the general manager, they got everybody on their side. They really don't need the manager. But when you need the manager is when the team's going bad. That's when you need the manager. I think Bob Melvin's very good at that. I think he does a good job of putting out fires. He handles things. Uh, He's just terrific. But I I think people underestimate what a difficult job managing is. It's a very hard job, trust me. And you and you were in an era when guys started making real money. I mean, some big time money, and you managed some guys with some big time egos. So you also have to be able to manage those guys. Well, I think you know you're in the people business. That's what you are when you're a manager, and you gotta you gotta you know you gotta have the same rules, the same parameters, but you gotta go about it different with each player. I mean, to, you know, to get the best results out of one player may not be the same way you do it with another player, and you have to. You have to know all those things, and that's that's what you're talking about. Your line of communications, uh, you know, is very important. Uh, you know, I think respect is very important. Uh, you know, and, and you know, you're really in charge of the organization on the field. I mean, you're not the general manager, obviously, you're not the owner, but on the field, you're really responsible for the organization's results. And you know, some teams right now are rebuilding, such as the Tigers and things like that, but. You know, you're basically in charge of that, and that's your responsibility. And, you you know, you want to make sure that, number one, you're representing yourself in the right way and, and making sure that, you know, players are doing the right things, that they're professional, the way they go about their business. So, you know, you can talk about uh, information, statistical information, analytical information. We've had that stuff for a long time, if you want to know the truth. Uh, there's more of it today. They focus a little bit more on it today, or at least that's what comes across the media. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's as accurate as everybody thinks it is. But, you know, we've had that stuff for a long time. But you got to be careful. Information is great. But you can't get so consumed in information that you forget about the human element and the player himself. And I think that's very dangerous. You're back with the Detroit Tigers, and we're going to see the Tigers coming into town, and it's going to be three games. Then we have the the suspended game that we're going to replay. So we're going to basically have two games tomorrow. And, and you talk about a rebuild Rebuilds are not easy, and we're seeing a lot of teams go through it right now. How do you think it's going so far for the Tigers? Well, I think it's pretty much on schedule. I think what happens with a rebuild is uh, when you're really struggling like we are, you know, people are going to say, they all have a tendency to say, well, we understand it's a rebuild, but we didn't think it was going to be this bad. So it's always a tough ticket when you're going through it. Uh, But, you know, you can't change in the middle of the stream. You got to stay the course and you got to believe in your people. You got to believe in your players. You got to believe in your minor league system. You got to believe in your scouts, your analytical people, and you got to stay the course. 
you can't try to appease some people for, you know, a month or two. You, you have to go about it, and you have to be sold on what you're trying to do, what you're trying to attempt. You know, Kansas City did a good job of it, went to the World Series, won. Houston's done a good job of it. So you just have to stay the course, and I think that's the most important thing. When we start talking about front offices, how, how much are you with the front office? And just tell us exactly what your role is. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm the, you know, I guess it's a title. <laughs> I really don't, I'm not much on titles, but I'm kind of a, you know, special advisor to the general manager. Uh, I go to spring training uh, for the entire spring. I go to every game, home and road. Uh, you know, I watch the players play. I watch the team play. I, you know, I, I look at the pitchers. I go over to the minor leagues. I look at our minor league players uh, during the season. I go to our AA, AAA team to look at our prospects uh, develop. Uh, I, I go see the big club when I go to Cleveland. Once in a while, I go to Detroit. Uh, you know, it's not my show anymore, so I try to stay out of the way. I don't go to Detroit very much. But, uh, you know, I'm involved just the way I should be involved. And I'm really kind of a sounding board for the general manager if he wants to bounce something off me or – you know, a, a trade, li- trade line, something like that, or I was up for the trading deadline. and So I, I participate, but yet I stay out of the way, and I, I really don't offer a whole lot unless I'm asked. And if I'm asked, then I give my opinion. Yeah, the, 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 your, your title is Jim Leland. That's all you need, right? <laughs> well, I mean, basically, that you know, I, I'm just there. Like I said, I, I love it. I, I love the Tiger organization. I signed there as a kid and ended up getting, getting a chance to go back there and manage that team, and uh, you know, we have some great, wonderful games with the Oakland Athletics and the playoffs, great games, and it's been a thrill. So I, I love it. I still like it, and, you know, I watch the Tigers every day. Sometimes I watch two games. Sometimes I do watch Oakland at night or, or the Angels because Brad Austin is there. He's a friend of mine now, man, engineer, and Bob and I have known each other for a long time. So, But, you know, we don't get to see him as much back on the East Coast. I fall asleep usually about the fourth, fifth inning. Yeah, I, I, yeah, no question. Our, our, bless him when our games are running long. want to talk about your good friend Tony LaRusso. We just had him on the program recently. His, his 1989 team, we celebrated it, one of the great teams of all time. He's also going into the A's Hall of Fame. He's one of the great managers of all time. Just talk about the greatness of Tony LaRusso and your guys' relationship. Well, uh, you know, Tony and I managed against each other in minor leagues, and then uh, he went to the major leagues that, that same year in, in 1979. He went up to the major leagues and became the manager of the White Sox. Uh, I stayed back in AAA with the Tigers at the time, and a couple of years later when he was looking for a third base coach, he remembered me, and we had become kind of acquaintances. I don't think we were real good friends at the time. You know, we were acquaintances, but we got to know each other over the years, and we obviously became very close obviously one of my best friends, one of my mentors. Uh, he took me to big leagues as third base coach. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of people in the minor leagues that, you know, that made me a manager, but Tony LaRusso made me a major league manager. There's no question about that. So I'm forever indebted to him for that. And, you know, his record speaks for itself. He's possibly the greatest manager of all time. If you want to know the truth, I don't know. You know, I don't get into those kind of arguments about old players and younger players, but, uh, Tony was one of those managers that, you know, you can manage two or three days and really not have to do much. Sometimes the, the flow just goes just right, and there's, there's not really anything major. But the good managers are always ready for that situation that comes up uh, and so you don't get caught sleeping or caught napping. And Tony LaRusso never got caught napping. He, was, oh, he might go three or four straight days, not have any major decisions, and all of a sudden something popped up. He was always ready for it. Uh, he was so prepared, and he never got caught flat-footed. 
uh, you know, he's just a credit to the game. He's a, he's a credit to the Oakland A's, the White Sox, Cardinals, obviously, and Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, we got a lot of interesting changes going on in our game right now, whether it's the ball and record home runs, whether it's the record number of bullpen guys being used. If you could change one thing that's trending in baseball right now, what would you change? I would change two things. I would change the uh, – it makes me sick. The five-inning starting pitchers, that really bothers me, and the strikeouts, that really bothers me. Uh, I understand, you know, the big home run guys have always struck out. There's no question about that. We understand that. But there's too many little guys striking out. It's not good for the game. It's not good for winning games late in the game when you have to execute fundamentally a fundamental hitting – a certain type of approach of hitting. I, I know home runs are attractive. I love them when I manage, just like everybody else does. But it's not all right to strike out in a lot of situations. There's a lot of times when you see everybody says it's okay to strike out, but it's not. You see a general manager sitting up in the box with a man on third and less than two outs, and a guy pops up or strikes out. Two guys strike out. They're pounding their fists. They're upset. So, I mean, it's not okay. And the, and the idea of pitchers, uh, you know, throwing five innings with 100 pitches, to me, this is ridiculous. Your best bullpen is a seven-inning starting pitcher. That's your best bullpen. That's never going to change. They can talk about all you want, and the relievers are getting roughed up a little bit more this year because they're being used a lot, and the hitters are seeing them a lot more. It's not good for the game. When you when you look at the teams that are going to go, you're going to see teams that have good starting pitchers. You look over there at Houston with Cole and Verlander and the horses they got over there. That's what you're going to see. Last year with, with Boston, they had Sale, and they had Price, they had, a, they had all these guys. So I think that those are the two things that I really dislike about the game right now. Five inning pitchers with 100 pitches after four and two thirds. And the other thing that bothers me is they, they leave the game four to two in the fifth inning after the fifth inning, winning four to two or losing four to two. And the media people and the announcers say, well, it gave his team a chance to win. Four or five innings pitching and giving up two or three runs, four runs, is not a good performance with 100 pitches. I, I don't care what anybody tells me. That is not a good performance. And to say that, well, you give your team a chance to win, I, I think that's real misleading. Jim, thank you so much for the time. An honor to have you on the program, and we'd love to do this again. Well, thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Marcus Simeon, Mark Canna, Dave Stewart, and Jim Leland. Let's hope for a long playoff run here on A's Cast. And thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. A's Cast powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.